Welcome to Faith and Good Counsel, where we talk about ways to live a virtuous life and all of the things that affect us in our vocations, in whatever state of life we may be in. And now your host, Stacy Galino. Hey everybody, such a pleasure and an honor to be with you each and every week here on Faith and Good Counsel. I hope, do hope that you like what you are hearing, that it is ministering to your heart, that you are learning how to live little by little as as I am, a virtuous life, because that's, that's where it's at, baby, the virtuous life. There's no other answer, our relationship, communion with our Lord Jesus Christ and the Blessed Trinity. Well, got a great show for you today. I have with me my beloved co-host, Aaron Franco. Hey there, Aaron. Hey there. And let me tell you, speaking of virtuous life and beautiful fruit coming off of the vine, connected Connected to the Lord, uh, the Franco family, let me tell you, they are um, involved with something that we've spoken about a little bit here on Faith and Good Counsel, a little bit on the Wake Up Louisiana show on Catholic Community Radio. You should check that out every morning, 7 to 8 a.m. Domestic church. Now, we hear that term, domestic church, and it may, it's like, what does that really mean? But we're going to learn that today. In fact, there's a lay movement called domestic church coming from that place of the spark that St. Faustina spoke about in Poland. That's right. So under under the uh, auspices, if you will, of John Paul II, who you know I love with all my heart. I fall more and more deeply in love with that gift, that gift of our Pope, our, our former Pope, now St. John Paul II. But Aaron, I would love, since we are talking about domestic church, I want to start off with prayer and prayer specific to the Holy Family. So if, if we could, let us go ahead and begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. God and Father of all, you gave us the Holy Family to serve as an example of love and obedience. Grant to all people, in family homes or alone, the grace to hold and honor the bonds of love and respect which bind the human race chosen for adoption as your children through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Our Lady of Good Counsel, St. John Paul II, St. Faustina, please pray for us. Amen. Oh, man. I just love talking about the Trinity, but yeah, this has everything to do with the Trinity. In fact, it's, it has everything to do with the communion that we are called to, this domestic church lay movement. So, Aaron, tell me about, first of all, what does domestic church mean in this lay movement? Um, domestic church is, is a lay movement for sacramentally married couples. It started in Poland about 40 years ago. And the idea, it's actually a branch of a Polish movement called the Light Life Movement. Light? The Light Life Movement. It started off, you know, John Paul II loved the youth. And so he was big into the Light Life Movement, which is, the idea is to find that intersection of how to live your faith, the light, with your real life, your everyday life. Mm. And so that's the idea of the Light Life Movement. And what happened is they had these young people who had enjoyed this community and this formation and the, the shepherding of um, of the church with priests as young people, and then they got married and had nothing. 
together. Yeah, yeah. And so Father Francis Blachnitschke, I'm it. so proud of myself I said that correctly yes, here. Yes, I um, love the Polish names. Yes, They're a challenge. They are. Yeah. <laughs> but um, he uh, was a priest at the time, and he basically developed uh, the domestic church as a branch of the of the light life movement uh, with the support and the guidance of his then bishop, um, Carol Wojtyla, now oh. Pope St. John Paul II. And herein is the beauty, right? Yes. Oh. Yes. yes. <gasps> okay, so domestic church, that's a term that we hear often, um, and, and, and you're describing it in reference to this beautiful lay movement, which is what the topic of our discussion today will be. But that's a term that comes actually from the Second Vatican Council, and maybe even prior to that, but at least from the Second Vatican Council. Do you know exactly how it was defined then? Or, um, I, You know, I don't have it in front of me. Okay. But they've used that vocabulary term, I think, more. It, it's always been something. It's nothing new. Yes. But they kind of brought it back to the forefront in emphasizing in the Second Vatican Council the importance of the family and right. of raising, um, having that marriage and that strong union with Christ, that that Trinitarian image yes. of marriage with your yes. children, if you have them, um, and raising those children in union with Christ um, and in union with their family. So just emphasizing that importance. And even if you do not have children and you're sacramentally married, you are still within the Trinity because we are that we are made in the image and likeness of God. And through that one flesh union, we are in communion with the blessed Trinity, that one God forever and ever. Amen. So there you have a Trinity once again. So you can't, thank God we can't run from the Trinity. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. it's so, so beautiful. And I think too, it references to uh, the catechism where it speaks so beautifully about the family. You know, we hear that that term almost used um, just so much that we don't really think very deeply about the sacredness, the holiness of the family that we that we were created for. And so I think this is one of the beauties of domestic church that is going to bring us back to that understanding of our true creation and the sacredness of family. So maybe tell us a little bit further about domestic church and how, um, how just the development of it over that 40 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Well, as far as the formation part, this is a lifelong thing that you do. You meet, the basic structure is you meet with um, six or seven married couples. You meet once, and a priest, that's important too, and a priest once a month. You share your ups and your downs. How's your life going? Um, How's work going? How's the children going? Or, you know, whatever you're involved in. And then you also share how you're doing in your progress individually and as a married couple in progressing in the spiritual life. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, kind of the third part of that monthly meeting is a formation. And this is lifelong formation that is all pulled from the Rite of Christian Initiation for Adults, mm-hmm. so the RCIA document, uh, the catechism, and uh, sometimes the writing of the doctors of the church. Mm-hmm. So that's the formation that you're getting. and. If you know anything about the catechism, you know that you could really can spend a lifetime diving into that and pulling insights relevant to your life from it and different seasons of your life as you go, you know, for a lifetime. Absolutely. So very solid, very solid and uh, in line with church teaching completely. This, the formation is not the kind of thing where you're going to be um, discussing the merits or validity or, or anything of church teaching. It is accepting that as truth as the shepherding of mother church and how that is, um, 
helping you live your life and pulling insight and virtue from your particular marriage and situation. Amen, which is always dynamic and changing and unique and beautiful, um, as, as unique as our creation as individual persons. Well, I want to go back because you said this was developed 40 years ago. Don't, I find that number fascinating because there's been a lot of water under the bridge in 40 years. You know, and it, this almost strikes me as another spark coming from Poland. I don't know if you know the reference mm-hmm. I'm making to St. Faustina's diary, but um, tell me about the development of it from Poland. You know, over what, it, in, in terms of there was a communist threat going on, um, Marxist ideas, which were certainly mired in, uh, even in our country and around the world, those, those ideas still exist. And so that's going to lead us to some importance of this movement. So, you know, give me, give me some of the history, the background history. See a little bit of the history. I, I would say one thing that, um, I have learned about Poland and is that there is a great, um, there's a great problem with alcoholism Mm -hmm. in Poland. And so actually, People in um, in the domestic church in Poland, they most people don't drink at all because it's it's a commitment that they make that's very countercultural for them, mm-hmm. and it's something that does help to, I, I guess, to boost or help the family in Poland. Uh, that I think that was um, there's some socio political things going on behind that, but. I know that that was part of the reason that they needed something to strengthen the family because they had this epidemic of of alcoholism there. Um, let's see. Also for, let's see, something else for the history here. Well, in thinking in terms of, the, of a communist, you know, it, it amazes me. I was thinking about this just yesterday. The term communist has nothing to do with the individual unique beautiful, unrepeatable person made in the image and likeness of God. Do you know? It has everything to do with the denigration of the human person. And yet, you think about the word communion and communist. And I just need, I'm I'm ready to do a word study on that because I think there's a tie there because they couldn't be more opposite, you know, of our creation and communion with the Blessed Trinity and this communist regime. And so I'm seeing this tie with this development of the domestic church in strengthening the family, because that is exactly what the evil one wishes to do, is to break apart the family and attack the family. And, and, and until the end of time, he will be attacking the family. And so that's kind of what the little that I do know about domestic church, and I'm very intrigued, I have to say. I hope you, <laughs> my listeners will be too. Our listeners, our beautiful listeners will be too. So, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, we're coming up on a break. We've got a couple of minutes, but... How did we get domestic church, this beautiful lay movement coming from the heart of the people under under the direction of, say, the, the priest again, Father Franciscus? Oh, Francis uh, Blachnitschke. With the guidance, support, uh, and, and, and influence of his bishop, Carol Voitia, now St. John Paul mm-hmm. II, just putting that out there. You know, he, this movement is coming to America, right? And in fact, it's in the South Louisiana area. So that's really what I'm really, really excited about that. And in fact, you know, there's so much to this history, to this movement. You can go to domesticchurchfamilies.com and find out so much more information about why you might want to be involved with this. Because if you want to get to the roots and the ills of the ills of our society, it is the breaking apart of the family. And and, and when we do not do not seek to live in communion with our creation, and that's the answer. Now, <laughs> that's, that's so simple to say, so hard to correct when we have so many 
so many forces against us. This is one way, the, the domestic church. So it's actually, domestic church is very young in the U.S., and Lake Charles, Louisiana was the very first English-speaking place uh, where domestic church came to be. Um, David and Kate Dawson, who actually now live in New Orleans but lived in Lake Charles for several years, um, really it it had to be Providence. David went to Poland um, to speak at an event, and the guy who picked him up was in domestic church. And it took a while of spending time with this man and his family while he was there before David said, okay, you guys are pretty awesome. You have this beautiful marriage. Your children are amazing. What's your secret? And they said, oh, we are in this thing, domestic church. Let me tell you, there are no accidents. There are no coincidences. This is holy, divine providence and probably some intercession of Our Lady and St. John Paul II. And what a gift that this is being brought to South Louisiana. Those are reasons why I like to be on the map. That's right. From Lake Charles, Louisiana, now in the Archdiocese of New Orleans and coming directly to you. Well, hey, you're listening to Faith and Good Counsel. I'm talking today with Aaron Franco about domestic church. I'm Stacey Galino, your host, and we'll be back in just a moment. Gulf Coast, Louisiana, Mississippi. Good bless America. Listen, this is Catholic Evangelist Mike Cumbie. I'm so happy to be here. God love you. You're listening to Catholic Community Radio. And let me tell you, it is good to be Catholic. This Marriage Minute is brought to you by the Willwoods community, rooted in prayer, united in service. We want our marriage to do more than just survive. We want it to thrive. Not only is God the divine architect laying out the blueprints for a strong and lasting marriage, he is also the one who nourishes and perfects the very love of the spouses. Jesus says in John's gospel, just as a branch cannot bear fruit on its own unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. Whoever remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit. So where can we go to become more firmly grafted on this life-giving vine? At the heart of it, blessed John Paul II said that prayer, the Eucharist, and the sacrament of reconciliation are the means infallible and indispensable in forming our marriage and our family and faith. These three make up the trifecta for a healthy and flourishing marriage and family life. For more information on strengthening your marriage, call 504-830-3716 or check us out on the web at faithandmarriage.org. Welcome back, everybody. This is Faith and Good Counsel. I'm your host, Stacey Galino, and I'm here with the lovely, the beautiful, inspiring Erin Franco, the humble handmaid. Hey there, Erin. Hey there. So glad to be here. Oh, it's always, always my honor to have you sitting next to me talking about beautiful, beautiful, holy things. By the way, check out Erin's blog at humblehandmaid.com. Just a glorious blog. Everybody needs to be reading and sharing blogs. Um, you just haven't lived. You've checked that out, out that blog. So, <laughs> so we're talking today. One of the, the reasons that um, I think we exist here on Faith and Good Counsel is to talk about ways to live a virtuous life. And domestic church is one of those ways that is going to help pave the way for us to like, what does that even mean? You know, and in this day and time, you know, when we've had 40, 50 years now of rather, may I say, poor catechesis, um, I hear this, you know, we hear this over and over again. Um, we don't even really know necessarily what we don't know. And we don't even know what it means to be Catholic necessarily, right? 
And I, as a convert who, you know, was a little scared to become a Catholic, you know, now I'm now 31 years, praise be Jesus Christ, a Catholic. I want it all. I love the richness of every teaching. There's a reason for every teaching, but we need to know what they are. And we need to live them in our sacrament of marriage that through which we image and love and are in communion with the blessed Trinity. How beautiful, far different from what we see on the cover of, you know, media magazines and in the movies and whatnot. We want, this is the richness, man. This is where it's at. The love, the love that we're thirsting for. So being a member of domestic church, Aaron, okay, I've got a little holy envy going on because I'm really interested in this. (laughs) Isn't it just part of it is, is developing you as a couple and there's so much more, but you learn really just how to be Catholic, right? Yes, it's actually been said that being part of the domestic church is just being Catholic. There's nothing new or novel about any of the teaching or any of the the practices or promises that you you try to live out in domestic church. And that's one reason it's so attractive. It's, It's not limited to a particular founder's spirituality. It's just pulling from the riches of church teaching, tradition, scripture, the sacraments, as a spouse and as a parent, if you have children Um, and just use, and that's, it's a place where you can, or a thing where you can utilize the grace of your sacrament. And I have felt that very much just in my experience so far. And do you know, I I need to interject something here. Have you ever been to a country that is 100% Catholic, 98% Catholic, even 90% Catholic? I've been to a couple. I've, I, 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 we don't know what we don't know here in America, in the United States, and, and in other Western countries, When we, especially here, though, where there are so many divisions. I mean, when you've been asked a question, is it really true that there are religions other than Catholica in America? I mean, can, ponder that for a moment. This is a person, a family that was asking this question in Sicily. Poland is very, very similar. And when you go to these places... You are, it's, it's, there's no way to put the whole world around you is so Catholic and it's so beautiful that you want to cry when you go into the ice cream shop. You want to cry. I mean, it's, it's the beauty of living the Catholic faith. And so if you think you don't need domestic church, I saying to you as a person who is longing for that, who grieves over the situation in our country and in, in many Western countries, the pain and suffering that we endure because of so many problems and ills in our society. This is one of this. We need this domestic church. Mm -hmm. And so I I wanted to go into what I mean by domestic church is just being Catholic. So there are seven promises that you make for your spiritual life when you're in domestic church. And just listen to this daily individual prayer and nothing specific. Just talk to God every day daily study of scripture of some kind, daily couple prayer with your spouse. Now that one might get people's attention. Yeah, that's that's kind of new, but trust me, so helpful. (laughs) So helpful. And daily family prayer. If you have children in the home, daily family prayer. So wonderful. The other three um, are kind of neat that maybe you haven't heard of. Monthly couple dialogue. It's basically uh, like a date once a month that you prepare for by maybe writing down or just keeping a list in your head if you want to of things that you need to talk about as a married couple. These are things that when they flare up or when they come up, 
most of the time you're not going to have the right disposition of your heart. You're not going to have uh, the right frame of mind. You're going to be one's going to be tired. You just or you won't have enough time to really discuss these, to move forward with them, to calmly, prayerfully, in the presence of God, figure it out. It seems it seems like when you know this monthly couple dialogue is is going to happen that the openness and the receptivity that each need to have um, to one another for that communion, it's there rather than, like you say, in the moment when I love how you put flare up. Yeah, I know (laughs) what you mean. Yeah, Yeah. that's been probably um, one of the greatest gifts for Michael and I that I can talk about in a minute uh, is just knowing we can, as we say, take it to couple dialogue. Yes. Um, We'll say, you know, just put his hand on his shoulder sometimes and say, can we take this to couple dialogue and 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 bring it up at that point. Yes. So that's been great. Also a rule of life. This is a set of um, internal guidelines or um, just restrictions or just ways that you want to live your life, raise your children, activities you want to be involved in, how you want to schedule your activities that all point toward um, progressing in your spiritual life and having a peaceful home, having a holy home and a holy marriage, mm-hmm. that uh, a rule of life is something that you may think you may have heard of in con- in the context of religious life. And we've talked about it yeah, here we've talked a number of times here on Facebook. We have. Council. So, but bringing that into family life and into your marriage was, it was a novel idea for me, but it makes a lot of sense. Even yeah. just, for example, when a rule of life that we started doing is, um, being uh, more restrictive on the all the activities we say yes to. So we mm-hmm. said, for example, um, on the weekends, we had all these great things to do, but we said no more than one big thing per day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it is hard to say no, but we are, are so much less stressed yeah. <laughs> now. It's, um, you know, it's just, especially with young children, which is our season of life, and that came into our, you know, our thinking we needed to, to restrict do you know what, um, if I may, the things that we are having to relearn, and I'm learning as I'm listening to you, in these countries where I'm saying these little, little villages and whatnot where everybody's Catholic, it just is. All of these things that you're talking about, they just are because they're living it. We don't, we're re- having to relearn this, and thank God for your involvement and in that you're yes to the Lord for you and Michael um, to be open to the domestic mm-hmm. church to help you know, re-educate us on how to be Catholic. It's awesome. Yeah. So there's one more step, right? Uh, yes, there's one more gift. Um, Michael and I actually haven't been able to go on it yet, but it's a yearly retreat as a family. Oh, and so it's the several, children. Yes, little, the, oh. the children come and you, um, in the U.S., because it's only been here three, I think, believe three years um, they're only going on, I think, their third family retreat this summer. In Poland, there are m- several retreats, to, many retreats to choose from of different kinds, some just for married couples, some for the families. Just the idea is to go on a yearly retreat. And um, and so this coming summer, there's going to be one in Arkansas, and oh. we're, we're planning to go on that one. We're very excited. In Poland, they're two weeks long. Wow. Their culture, they're, yeah. that's, that works for them. In the U.S., I believe, I think what they've been doing is slowly building it up. I think this is going to be an eight-day wow. this coming and that's summer. that's a big thing for us in the U.S. to kind of get our head around. Yeah. But it, it's beautiful because, as they describe it, it's something that the family saves up for all year because this is a priority to bring God into their vacation and to have their vacation be enriching to their souls and not just 
you know, frivolity. Yes. Yeah. Meaningless frivolity. So we're excited about that. Um, I did want to, if it's okay, I wanted to talk a little bit about the gift that domestic church has been to my marriage. Yes. Uh, I really, I am all about it. I would love to talk to anybody about it because it really has helped us so much. Uh, I think the biggest thing for us has been that gentle accountability. That's my word that I came up with. Accountability. That's our phrase for the day, yes. ladies and gents. So, so our promise to pray daily as a couple, for example, we know that every month we're going to be meeting with these other beautiful couples and in our priest, um, and we're going to have to say, well, we haven't really been good about praying well together every day because we've been lazy. Oh. <laughs> Who wants to admit to that? Yeah. So that general accountability has been helpful in having us be more consistent with that. Also with praying with our children and individually too, even just at that monthly couple dialogue when we talk about how we're doing individually, spiritually um, with one another, having to admit that I've been lazy or I've overscheduled myself is helpful. So that's been great to develop that consistency in our spiritual life. Um, has it been easier for either of you to kind of uh, immerse in, into this whole new system, if you will, of, of, of trying to live that authentically Catholic life? Has there been any any bumps in the road? You know, it's all stuff we wanted to be doing. We And we already did pray, try to pray together every day. We prayed with our children, you know, every evening. But um, just as a couple, the the unity that has come, especially from the couple dialogue and working through our, you know, problems that come up and conflicts and crosses, everybody's got their thing. Yes. And and even just working through those crosses, you know, the long-term ones every month and coming back together on it has been so helpful. We went on the initial retreat after a really tough year, in the middle of a really tough year, and I'm so grateful that God gave us that gift to help us come get on the same page in that way. Yeah, God gives us those. His timing is perfect, I guess, that's what I'm trying to say. You know, would you have been able to receive this as deeply had you not been enduring some crosses? Do you know, I wonder those things sometimes about in my own life and 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 appreciate it helps me to appreciate you know those dry times or those really painful times those are the times that we don't look forward to them let's be honest in on some measure I don't uh, resist them as much because I know that that is when I'm most intimately in union with the Lord and my faith grows deeper and there's mm-hmm. such beautiful fruit well you know, we're almost out of time, Erin. There's so much more to say. But any final words of parting wisdom? How can people get involved if they're interested? Besides going to domesticchurchfamilies.com, is there anything that you could offer there? Uh, you know what? I think the website is excellent. They have great background explanations. There are a, There's a calendar of upcoming retreats. You do need to go on a retreat before you start. You join a circle of couples with the priest. So oh. I would just say go there. Okay, and that is domesticchurchfamilies.com. Erin, thank you so much for your beautiful witness and for your presence here today. I love you so very much and your family. Well, let us go out in prayer. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Oh, my God, I firmly believe that you are one God in three divine persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I believe that your divine Son became man died for our sins, and that he will come to judge the living and the dead. 
I believe these and all the truths which the Holy Catholic Church teaches because you have revealed them who can neither deceive nor be deceived. Thank you, my friends. We enjoyed having and visiting with you today on Faith and Good Counsel. And until we are together again, Pax Christi, y'all. We'll see you later. Bye-bye. Faith and Good Counsel is a production of Catholic Community Radio. 